The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Salam alaikum, you're listening to Inspire FM. Uh, yes, this is Friday Night Live, you're listening to Zafar Iqbal. Uh, and with me in the studio today, a guest, uh, uh, a plethora of guests from the political spectrum. And we're going to be talking about uh, the elections, the local elections. That's the main theme of the two-hour slot today. Uh, inshallah, so we'll be kicking off talking to new existing candidates, uh, um, sitting councillors, and we'll be discussing um, with having discussions with new councillors as well, inshallah. So today, inshallah, we'll be broadcasting not just in Luton, but we'll be broadcasting uh, uh, in uh, in Derby through Radio Ikhlas, uh, Peterborough Radio Islam, and Link FM in Sheffield, inshallah. So if you're listening there, uh, it may not be extremely relevant to you, but if you want to take part and uh, uh, send your questions in, we'll be happy to entertain. So as always, uh, the program is going to be interactive, inshallah, interactive. Uh, I'll be asking the questions uh, of the candidates, and I'll introduce the candidates in a minute. Uh, and uh, you can ring in via our telephone hotline, 01582481822, or you can WhatsApp us on 0779481822, inshallah. So we'll be really happy to entertain any questions that you may have. So uh, elections is the main theme, but I want to kick off uh, first of all uh, with the horrendous bombings that took place uh, over the Easter weekend uh, in Sri Lanka. A terrible, terrible event uh, which killed more than 250 people, uh, uh, you know, who were mo- mostly sort of worshipping uh, in their places of worship. Uh, and what I want to do is, is basically get uh, an update of uh, what the latest situation is in Sri Lanka. Uh, I understand this is an ongoing operation to clear out some of the those who are involved uh, directly or indirectly uh, in the bombings, but plus also get views, I guess, from those who are in the studio, inshallah. So I have on the line to start the discussions off, uh, I have uh, Hilme Ahmed, uh, and he uh, is the Vice President of the Muslim Council of Sri Lanka. Uh, As-salamu alaykum, Hilme. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I hope I've, I've uh, pronounced your name correctly. Uh, first of all... Hilme. Hilme. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, I pronounce it correctly. Uh, perhaps can, if I can have your views uh, on this horrendous... Uh, a slaughter of innocent people, I guess, that took place over the Easter weekend. Uh, we are totally shocked and uh, uh, unbelievable that uh, a horrendous crime like this has been committed by the so- by so-called Muslims. Mm. And uh, you know, it is uh, something which we never expected to happen uh, in Sri Lanka. Yes, uh, I know Sri Lanka in, in the past has been embroiled in uh, in violence uh, of other sorts, I guess, not involving Muslims. But uh, Muslims are tiny, form a very tiny minority of Sri Lanka. So uh, it, it does sort of go against the grain in terms of why, you know, these type, type of things would happen in Sri Lanka. Uh, basically, you see, uh, Muslims have been... Uh, 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 peaceful ethnic group, even uh, amidst all provocations during the 30-year conflict uh, Sri Lanka, ethnic conflict Sri Lanka had, 
Muslims uh, kept out of any violence. And even though uh, a whole uh, uh, group, uh, almost all the Muslims from the northern province were forcibly evicted by the liberation tigers of Tamil Elam, mm. uh, nobody uh, even thought of uh, 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 using violence uh, even to defend themselves. So it is, it is actually something which came as a real shock to us that, uh, you know, this, this magnitude of uh, violence had been planned and unleashed on innocent uh, uh, people praying in churches and uh, people living, uh, people having breakfast in uh, five-star hotels. Mm. And and how how is I guess uh, the population of Sri Lanka I guess viewing this and I guess also in particular the the Muslim community of Sri Lanka. Uh, the Muslim community of Sri Lanka, of course, uh, has been living in fear mm. of uh, a backlash uh, because you know I mean never in the history of Sri Lanka has so many people uh, died uh, uh, in violence like this. And, uh, but, you know, all credit must be given to the cardinal uh, who came out strongly and advised uh, Christians not to have any retaliation for this uh, against Muslims because he made it very clear that this is not the work of Muslims but a bunch of terrorists uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, they do not represent the Muslims uh, anywhere in the world. And I guess in, t- in terms of uh, the, the Muslim community and their response, I'm, I'm just trying to sort of, uh, um, in, in some ways, make a comparison with New Zealand in the sense that the, 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 the Muslim community and the wider community came out to, in support of, um, of the Muslims. And I guess, uh, how is, is the Muslim community reaching out and, and maybe sort of trying to dispel some of the, the you know, associations, I guess, that, that many people might have, um, you know, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the linkages, etc. Yeah, many, many initiatives have been proposed, and I'm sure, uh, you know, within the next week or two, a uh, lot of uh, uh, building bridges will take place. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, what is more important uh, for us is also to look inwards and to see how uh, this radicalization has taken place. And that, you know, there has been many, many proposals. One amongst them is actually to ensure that every mosque mm. uh, will have a committee that will go in to see whether uh, any outside elements are coming uh, mm. into their uh, community and uh, uh, doing anything to de- radicalize uh, right. their youth. And you're saying these, these are uh, outside? also, in addition to that... Sorry, go, pardon? go. Carry on, carry on, sorry. Yeah, but also, you see, uh, uh, but also, you see, I think uh, uh, many uh, good initiatives actually to support uh, the victims is coming up, but nothing has been finalized yet, as yet. And I'm sure the Muslim business and uh, 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 Muslims as a whole mm. will uh, come forward to support this project. Right. Uh, I, I'm just going to sort of pick up on... Uh, the the point you made about outside people perhaps uh, getting involved in this. So do, do you think there there is an element of the fact that these people may have been influenced from outside? Uh, you know, more, uh, it is most likely 
because it is almost impossible uh, for the locals to have acquired the sophistication required mm. to uh, undertake multiple bombings uh, at the same time uh, with such precision. Uh, because even during the 30-year-old war, the LTT, which had mastered suicide bombing, mm. could not uh, have done anything like this. They did not do and they could not have done something similar to this. So definitely, uh, even though uh, Sri Lankans uh, were the uh, suicide bombers, uh, they would have been handled and uh, by some uh, foreign expertise. Right. Okay. I think with that, uh, we'll we'll end the the uh, the discussion on that. Is there anything else that you'd like to add, uh, which perhaps I haven't uh, asked about? Uh, well, you know, I mean, Sri Lankans are standing strong. Sri Lankan Muslims are standing strong, and there were the, the, uh, all Sri Lankan which is actually the Council of Theologians, has mm. also declared that you know. Uh, they will not be given any burial space within any mosque cemetery. So, I mean, they are not considered uh, Muslims because uh, they were on a suicide mission and uh, hurting innocent people. Right, okay. And they, and they do not belong to Islam. Well, Hilmi Ahmed, thank you very much for your comments uh, on that very, very sad chapter yeah. in, in Sri Lankan history. Thank you. Jazakallah. Thank you. Right, listeners, uh, we're going to turn to matters uh, closer to home now. Uh, we're going to talk about the elections. Uh, we have um, uh, a list of councillors that, that we want to get through to. But um, I want to actually, before um, before I go on to that, just uh, bring in Sister Rihanna, uh, Rihanna Khan, uh, on the subject of Sri Lanka uh, from uh, from a SCM-LCM perspective. I know LCM-SCM issued a statement uh, of that. Would you would you want to comment on that? I would, but my name is Rohana Faisal. Um, no, not Khan. No, I've never been Khan. Well, you're Khan on the emails. I'm, <laughs> I'm not Khan on the emails. Okay, <laughs> but I don't right. know whose emails you're looking at. Um, but I was, um, I'm Rohana Faisal, formerly Skandar, so um, I never Khan, but <laughs> thank you. Does, does that annoy you, though? Be, not being a Khan? Yeah. Well, I'd quite like you to get my name right, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> it, I'm not the first presenter who got the names wrong, yeah, so it happens no, quite right. frequently. So that's right. what I hide behind, we'll, we'll, yes. We'll, we'll cope. Um, you know, and, and joking aside, um, obviously hearing the news from Sri Lanka, and I think I caught it a little bit late, I, you know, it was Easter holidays and we're all sort of a bit caught up with our family and, and children. Um, and... Uh, I mean, these all these things always feel like a real blow to the gut, don't they? Um, because I, actually, you feel that you know we're making some headway here, um, and then there is some something else. Um, my understanding of the situation in in Sri Lanka and the, and the politics is is that it's quite complex, um, and there is a uh, tumultuous, um, to say the least, history there. Um, and I couldn't comment on that a lot more. Um, but certainly from um, the perspective of, of us as uh, people of faith and from, from the mosques, um, primarily as with all of these things, um, we are grieving with everyone else and, um, you know, send our thoughts and our prayers to all of those who um, have suffered and will 
sadly, by the way that things are developing, um, continue to suffer. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Rihanna. Rihanna Faisal. Uh, let's move on to, to the local matters in that case. Let's move on to the elections. Uh, I think Luton is one of many uh, councils up and down the country who are electing new councillors. Uh, and 1st of May is the date. 1st of May is the date, is that right? 2nd of May. 2nd of May. 2nd of May. 2nd of May, next Thursday, is the date of, of elections. Uh, and uh, I've, I've got Laura Church, Interim Chief Executive uh, of Lundborough Council who's going to tell us all about it and I'm sure she'll get the facts right. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I'm not here in my interim chief exec role okay. tonight actually. I'm here as the returning officer the for returning the local officer. elections. Right. So that means that uh, I have to make sure that the election runs fairly, properly, all the processes are, uh, are done. It's a very legal process. So I'm responsible for, for that. Uh, and it's a personal responsibility for me, not not in my chief exec, interim chief exec capacity. So um, hopefully people will have seen some of the campaigns that we've been running. Uh, one, the one we've run up to recently is to get people to register to vote because it's really important that people get involved in the democratic process. Sure. It's a really important thing to do. Uh, it's a kind of when you're 18, it's your first opportunity to get into that process. So we've been running a really innovative campaign with the uni working with the university and the sixth form college to get people to vote. So we've done that bit. Now we're into the bit where the uh, candidates, who you've got an opportunity to talk to this uh, later on, uh, are putting out and are on the streets, knocking on doors uh, and, and getting people to vote. So actually on Thursday, you can vote, you can vote in a couple of ways. So on Thursday, you can go to the polling station, uh, mark your uh, cross on the ballot paper, uh, leave your paper at the ballot station. But if you've elected to be a postal voter, you can be getting on and doing that now. Your postal vote will have gone through your door. So Th get there's on a deadline it. for that, isn't it? You have to get the postal vote in before. You can, you have to get the send the postal vote into us. Um, but the we we have an agreement with the post office. So put it in the post box on Wednesday, and we'll still we'll still have it. I'm totally okay. You can still take it into uh, the, your polling station, but we prefer that you you send it in early because we can get on and doing all the administration around that. So that's really helpful. Um, so you can also uh, ask for a proxy vote so someone else can vote on your behalf. You will have had to have done that in advance and that's closed, but there's still uh, an opportunity if there's an emergency. So um, you break your leg. Right. Uh, and you're not able to go to the polling station, you can apply to us uh, to get someone else to vote on your behalf. So that's, you that's not an automatic thing? It's, that's it's not an automatic thing. And at this point in the process, it has to be a real emergency. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll have to say to us what that emergency is. So um, the, you can still vote if that crisis happens or something happens, so, because it really is important. So, so for example, if, if you've got um, an elderly grandparent or parent, um, you know, is that is that good enough reason the fact they're elderly? They, they would have to be ill. They have to so be it's Ill. not just because they're elderly, it's because uh, if they're elderly, you would have known that in advance and you mm. could have applied for a proxy. If it's an emergency, it would have to be that they're very seriously ill or something like that. Okay. No, sorry. I've no, no, sorry. So that's that's all going on. So the, the, the um, planning for the election is um, a big task. Yeah. Uh, I have a team of people who are doing it. They have to book the venues, get the venues sorted out, 
Uh, I need hundreds of staff on the Thursday in the polling station. I've got 200 people available for the count, which we hold up at Inspire uh, Sports Centre. So it's a big thing for the local authority to do. Uh, um, And we we manage that. We do it um, every four years or if there's a general election. Luckily for us in May... We have two elections this year. So once we've got over the local elections, we'll start on the European elections. So that's all going on for us. Uh, We will be declaring all of the results on Thursday night into Friday morning. Um, So people will be able to listen in and hear what's going on. So it's a really... um, exciting uh, time within the local authority we'll we'll see some different um councillors and uh, you've got an opportunity tonight to ask questions but i'm responsible for the process right okay so well, one thing um i looked for and maybe because i wasn't looking hard enough but i looked for the the bios of potential candidates and i couldn't find them anywhere uh, so you'll you'll have to uh, the bios of potential candidates. We'll have a list on our website of who they are. But for the bios, you'd have to go to the individual um, parties and what they and what they're doing. Right. Okay. Isn't that a disadvantage? Because it kind of encourages people to put a stamp on a on a uh, on a, um, a party label rather than individual. But they can see the individual candidates and what they stand for. They'll be knocking on the door. They'll be going around talking. So the candidates will be able to tell you a bit more about how they're encouraging them to people to to vote. And I think um, one of the things about our counting. So we we so if if, if a war's got three councillors. Actually, we do see people not always just voting for three of one party. And we count those individually. So you, you can have differences of differences of views. You've got that option. Your vote is your is yours. It's for you to do, to do what you want with. Indeed. But I, I'm, the reason for asking the question really is that uh, I think it's really important that it's not just the party that people vote for. It's the, it's the calibre of the candidates they vote for as well. And if the bio is not readily available, people have no way of making a choice apart from a name. And the name might be familiar with people and may not be familiar with people. But lots of information goes out that they see the candidates' the candidates' bios. Just door to door. Um, e- even even getting t- contact details for us, it was a bit of a mission. It was it? Of independ- independent candidates because... They're not. Uh, some of them are not on any of the modern social media channels, uh, and there's no way to get their, their contact details. So, but you could you can talk to our press and comms team about that. So if you've been well, why shouldn't why, sh- why shouldn't that be an automatic thing on a website where people can go in and, and have a a quick browse to see who they are and if they need to contact them for each ward uh, for each ward if they wanted to on on a website. Why why is that not possible? Well, it might be possible in the future, but we haven't done it now. Okay. But we'll pick that up as something that might be interesting. Right, OK. Uh, that's, uh, that's, I think that's fairly clear. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add? Have I just have I interrupted your, your flow of, of no, chain of thought? No, I just... One is um, thank you for all of the people who have volunteered to take part in helping out on the elections, as I am, I am very grateful because uh, actually it's um, it, a very important function um, and also it, it is you know a great opportunity to get involved if you have a vote if you've got a postal vote send it in to us if you're have got a vote come down to a polling station on Thursday and, and take part brilliant thank you very much Laura Laura Church uh, who is the returning officer
not the uh, not thing. here as the interim chief for here here for tonight i'm the returning officer mm-hmm. and i'm also the returning officer for the european elections on the 23rd of may 23rd of may we look forward to that yeah some interesting characters i'm sure will come out on that <laughs> indeed <laughs> say no more Thank right you. okay so so we're going to move on to the the meat of the discussion or today which is which is, I guess, is Hustings. Uh, I'm not sure how many people know what Hustings mean, but in effect, it, it's really uh, talking to the, uh, the candidates um, who are standing for, for the various uh, posts within, within the, uh, the various wards and try to understand you know, their motivation and, and uh, um, you know, the reasons why th- they are standing. So uh, we have invited a bro- broad spectrum uh, of people, so we, we've got a representative from Lib Dems. Uh, in fact, we've got the leader of Lib Dems. Uh, we've got uh, David Fanks. Hello, David. Yeah, hello. Good to be here. Thank you very much. Um, we we will have later on in the program a representative uh, from the Green Party. Mark Scheinman is going to join us, uh, and we have uh, Councillor Aslam representing the Labour Party. Is Labour Party candidate uh, for the Lucy Ward. And I assume somebody who's just walked in is Azuzul MBR. Yes, good evening. Good evening, right. So you're, you're from the Conservative Party. Yes. Okay, so uh, we do have a break in about six minutes. Uh, I think what I want to do, first of all, is if I go around, starting from the right, um, if I can just have uh, a brief introduction to yourselves, basically, to the candidates. I'll ask the same questions of all of the candidates. Uh, and there might be the odd question, which is not which is off the cuff just to sort of delve in a little bit more. Uh, but uh, in essence, I think all of the candidates will have a similar or same sort of question. So if I can start off uh, with uh, Councillor Aslam, who's standing uh, for the uh, for the Lucy Ward. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Yes, I've been raised, well, I was born in Pakistan, uh, raised um, in, in Luton, so I've been through the education system. Um, my background is in engineering. Um, worked in telecommunication for about uh, four or five years, but in, m- predominantly been in pharma industry for about 22 years, doing various different roles from sales, marketing, and public relations. I have been a councillor for eight years and portfolio holder for public health, sports, and now community safety. Um, so all in all, about five, five years of uh, you know having a portfolio. So, so you are with standing for the for the Labour Party. Absolutely. Why? Simply because um, you you be being an industry person, typically I would have thought maybe maybe I'm I'm stereotyping, but I would have thought maybe Labour Party is not the right the right party for you. Uh, not really, um, because when I really look at the values of, of Labour Party, when we're talking about equality, when we're talking about fair distribution of wealth, um, social justice, these are the kind of things which I hold very strongly to my heart. And working in the corporate world, yes, uh, is quite exciting. Um, you know, people make money and lots of money. But unfortunately, um, there are a lot of people who get left behind. And it's our responsibility as local leaders and, and also... Uh, as councillors to ensure that everyone benefits and and this is where you've seen in the past that you know Labour Party has attracted that support from our community because of its values. Okay so you've been a councillor for five years Um, so what's been your key personal achievement in the council what have you contributed to the council? 
Me personally, um, when I first uh, took responsibility of portfolio, I took 50% uh, of public health and sports because that's where my industry background and my own personal experience was and I knew where the gaps were. Um, so led a pr- uh, project uh, which was a transfer of uh, asset um, Warden Park to Lutonians, which because when you look at the sports being played, when I used to ask questions, why are we investing and are we getting a return of it in our investment or not? Which sports are popular, popular or not? And I wasn't getting those answers. So I led that um, review of the policy because there was no policy there. So we went down to the grassroots, did all the surveys, asked uh, people on the street, people who played sports. And it's quite apparent that cricket was the most popular sport yet there wasn't uh, there wasn't much uh, investment and when we looked at kids who were not engaged kids who were talented but not being progressed um so that project then uh, led to uh, having discussions with ecb uh with sports england and that enabled us to put luton on the map I, map is now recognized as home of cricket uh, that project is shining example for for sports england and because of our efforts and officer support, um, Luton has become a core city. Um, and when you talk about core city, that means is one of those focus areas for Sports England and also ECB. Secondly, um, the the social prescription was something because again, knowing the gaps in uh, in in the health service, social prescription was my initiatives, which now is adopted by STP, which is region wide, and also local uh, other local authorities. And in fact, is going national. So that my personal contribution, and I can name. Many including death and burial services. Okay, okay, right. We're going to carry on with with that discussion uh, after a short break. So listeners, stay tuned. Uh, We are talking to local uh, candidates for the local elections, inshallah. We'll carry on a discussion with them after the short break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum, you're listening to Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live, uh, and we are talking about local elections today. Uh, before the break, we were talking to Councillor Aslam, who's standing for the Lucy Ward, uh, about what he, why he's standing uh, and what he has contributed uh, to uh, for, for the previous five years or so that he's been a councillor. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, the Liberal Democrat uh, representative. We've got the leader of the Liberal Dem- Democrats, David Franks, uh, in the studio. Welcome, David. Hello. Perha- perhaps you can introduce yourself um, and and basically tell us why uh, why Lib Dems uh, and what have you achieved? What was your personal achievement uh, as part of uh, your role as a councillor? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm a Liberal Democrat because I'm a Liberal, because I strongly believe that individuals should be encouraged and enabled to achieve the very best for themselves and their families that they possibly can, uh, whilst obviously protecting um, those who perhaps don't have the same abilities to uh, to, to progress. Um, I was born and brought up in Luton, born into a very political family. My, both of my parents were active Labour Party supporters. Right. Um, and I fell out with the Labour Party 
in my teens, I guess, when I thought that the that they actually weren't too much different from the Tory Party. They they um, they operate in the same corporatist way, uh, and it, it didn't inspire me at all. Um, so I, I joined what was then the Liberal Party, which is now the Liberal Democrats. I've been on the council for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, 36 years. Um, well, that is du- a long time. During which, well, yeah, amazingly, um, at each election as they've come along, people have voted me back on. So there you go. I must be getting something right. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, my achievements, well, I've achieved lots of little things. Um, I p- probably, for the years that I was actually leader of the council, up until 2007, when I led the Liberal Democrat administration, we we did a lot of the big things that the Labour Party is now also trying to do. Uh, dual carriageway from the M1 to the airport, a million-pound refurbishment of Wardown Park, a brand-new St George's Square to replace the tatty old mess that was there before, um, family workers in every primary school. Uh, there were a whole load of things. But one of one of the key things for me was... We concentrated very much on what I call the basic housekeeping. Mm -hmm. We cleaned up the town by employing more street cleaners and organising them better. We almost got rid of, completely got rid of, flypost advertising around the town, which is now coming back like a plague. Um, And those basic housekeeping essentials, I think, are important because they do affect people's day-to-day lives the we fully support the current labor council's um investment program they're trying to encourage incoming investment from all over the place but you're not going to get incoming investment when the town's knee-deep in litter sorry it's not going to happen okay uh so just just to sort of uh, remind the listeners uh david franks you're all from the the barnfield ward that's where you're standing for liberal democrats um that's fine that's right Okay, uh, so uh, let's let's move on to our conservative candidate. Uh, we have uh, Azizul Ambia. Assalamualaikum, Azizul. Waalaikum salam and good evening, everybody. Right, so I guess your questions are going to be slightly different because you're a new candidate, yes. I guess. You're yes. standing for the first time, right? Yes, I'm standing from Limbury Ward. Limbury Ward, okay. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. Yes. My name is Aziz Ambia. I'm father of two. I live and work in Luton. I run a small business. I'm a community activist. I'm also a school governor at William Austin School. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very passionate about uh, community work. So that's why I'm, I'm stepping in, step in about, uh, about like, I mean, a local okay. uh, election because I feel like uh, to achieve the community's uh, goal, we need to, uh, this is the, like, I mean, a step in. Right. Okay. So, so why, why, why the conservatives? Are, yes. are, you, are you a natural conservative? Yes. Why are you a natural conservative? Yes, conservatives they represent like you know working class people. Do they? Yes. Is that right, Labour? Yes. Well, I think both of us here on this side of the chair would completely disagree. No, okay. if you see, if you we, we see, certainly would. No, we absolutely like, uh, would. Okay, yes, if you right. see this year, conservative increase uh, tax threshold, which is like twelve thousand five hundred. Right. So they are helping the people like you know to save their hard-working money 
and uh, like you know they are giving incentive a lot of sme like you know reduce uh, uh, like tax for high street shop and also like i mean they are investing money on on nhs as well like you know more than 20 billion they they made a pledge they will in, you know they are investing right okay through and, and, through, uh, through investment so yes. they're helping the working class people through investment that's what yes. you're trying to say okay um so um what experience have you got uh that will make you or that you can contribute to the community what 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 or what relevant experience have you got that yes. if you became a councillor that you will make a difference yes as I, as i mentioned i live in local and um i mean involved in um, communities in schools and i am aware of this local issue what is it what local issue local issues like like is a bin collection right there's a no why, why is that an issue yes there's a because it's taking the every two weeks Mm-hmm. so a lot of people uh, in like in you know, a complaining especially like in summer time we you know it will make a lot of uh, smell and uh, there's some is that is that the most important issue yes in front in, in important issue i feel like in front of our like i mean doorstep for the local community and also uh, there's a le- like i mean the uh, community center library have closed and that's that's why we can see so much knife crime antisocial behavior drugs so and also is it like fly tipping issue and town is not you know like i mean clean up properly so okay so all there's right. a lot of you know issue in within our community okay all right thank you very much for that so uh i'm just going to go back around the table again uh, bringing councilor aslam again you can pick up if you want to in this round uh, on anything that the other candidates have said and and you can respond to those uh but ideally i like you to sort of answer the question i ask and and i'm just going to say i didn't interrupt am i am i like am i have got my my yeah 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 you're on, you're on, yeah. um I, i i gave you all your time obviously that time but i i'm going to be on you okay for the next <laughs> next responses right. um I, so no, rehan is rehan is here also co-presenting here, so co-presenting I'm, as well yeah so, so she'll be able to um, i i will be um seeking to listen well and pull up on things inshallah. as we go along inshallah inshallah okay okay so uh, the, the next question i have for councilor aslam uh, is what are the critical issues facing luton uh, and why yeah um uh, let me just pick on on to what was said before before i come on to this um, briefly yeah very briefly uh, first of all when the liberals uh, took over uh, they had much more money than us we have been facing devastating austerity cuts by uh, Tory party i don't know where you get this investment from you've been cutting and hurting people and the most vulnerable in our town and we've been doing level best to save that money and protect the most vulnerable um when it comes to invest is us who's investing the vision that we have for luton is labor the bold and the brave vision that we had to invest to grow whereas a lot of your um uh, councils have been cutting services and when you look at the size uh, of luton when we um the kind of council tax that we have the, the the bending that we have the kind of money that we get is you know lot less compared to a lot of other rich councils okay. so in uh, the uh, manner uh, that we managed we've been uh, uh let, let's move on let's move on to the to the, the question the, the question what what are the critical issues facing luton uh, and why what well, what well, certainly uh, employment and deprivation luton is one of the most deprived towns in the world uh, not in the in the uk is 15 ninth most deprived 
And we had a so high... Who, where are these statistics come from? These statistics, you can go onto the website. These are government statistics. It's the 59th most deprived. And when we talk about building major projects, we need to bring people jobs so they can have food on the table. And because of our investment, we've seen 3.5% increase in people's wages. We've actually fought for living wage rather than you know minimum wage to ensure that you know people have that earnings to almost match up to the inflation that we, we're facing. We are facing huge housing, housing shortage here. There are a lot of people who are homeless because, again, the government fails to invest in social housing. And when we talk about gang and knife crime, of course, that's prevalent across the country. Why is that happening? Again, due to austerity cuts, again, due to cuts in uh, police force. And our police here is unfairly uh, funded. So when you have 300 less police force, of course, you're not going to have visible police policing and when we've got limited uh, funds within our local government of course we're not going to have that kind of a neighborhood support it's going to be affected but what we have done is that we've now employed officers we've now got a strong neighborhood uh, enforcement team starting with PSPO before setting that up we did um, a survey across the town and the top uh, issues again came about you know burglaries anti-social behavior and uh, and, 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 you know, a bagging, spitting. So, what, what, so what, we what, put a policy and strategy together to make sure we address that in PSPO. What's, what's, I'll come to you in a minute. What's, what's the top issue in your mind and what are you going to do about it? Well, top, top issue uh, for us top is, one issue. is growth. Is growth. Is making sure that we bring jobs and this is what we're doing. And because of our investment plan... Well, what will you do, though? How, me, how will you make a difference? We, with me... I have, with based my uh, experience from the corporate world, challenged and challenged our thinking that we need to be much more ambitious. When you are ambitious, then you make radical decisions, and that's what we've done when it comes to uh, uh, airport. And then to ensure that everyone benefits, making sure that we have a clear understanding where the highest level of deprivation is, and we put the right services uh, around them. And Skills Academy is one of those examples, making sure our schools are uh, performing the way they should be, and they're linked to colleges, they're linked to the industry that we have. That is something I have contributed, and also in my portfolio for uh, for uh, uh, community cohesion with CLLD funding, ensuring that the even voluntary sector plays their part in. in, in, okay. in can I? Can I? Yeah. I, I can need I? to ask a question in there. I, I'm, I'm actually just to, to put um, conflicts on the table. I'm chair of community-led local development, um, but I, I, I wanted to pick you up on a couple of things you've said there. Mm. Uh, and you've said all the right things. Um, I think everybody listening is going to say, wow, that's exactly what we want. What, uh, what I don't think we heard was the how that's going to happen. The buzzwords were great. But also is, uh, as I have said many times, is we know that our schools are good, actually. We've got some of the best in, in the, the country here. Um, you know, Tawny Girl, Tawny, well, Tawny Girls, I'll say, because I'm, mm. you know, a big fan of the school. But um, Tawny Boys, Denby, they kind of consistently rank in the best. Our kids are doing really well in sixth form. So many are going on to higher education. Actually, a lot of our children are not being employed in this town. Um, and actually... What I would like to hear is a little bit more about the acknowledgement between deprivation and race in this town. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see how you are going to ensure that the prosperity 
impacts on all of us. So everybody, because what's happening at the moment is the people who are still at the bottom remain at the bottom. So how do we see that those people coming up um, a little bit more? Um, and how do we tackle the issue of um, racial inequality, which undoubtedly what are the policies that's going to help us achieve that? Well, we have to make sure, first of all, we have an equality policy already. We need to make sure that everyone abides by that. It's not working because, as I say, it's not working because we have so many, you know and I know, so many of our young talent are, are going out of Luton, yet we're hearing industry uh, people telling us we don't have graduates in Luton, and we, you and I, we know that we know they're here. But one of the reasons why people are leaving is because of the attraction of more money in London and surrounding areas. We need to here make sure, first of all, those quality jobs that we create that our local uh, people benefit. And the only way they're going to benefit is we may have to make sure we invest in their development and their skills. And that's exactly why things like Aspiration Centre, where you know there's an outreach work going on to go to people and make sure that the resources that were available to them they are aware of them and they're on their pathway and when we're talking about places like dialogue places like biscuit yeah. this is where cld yeah absolutely this is where the cld funding for those older people who uh, have not been able to get the jobs to make sure that there's enough support to so they're job ready and for those people who do not who fail to go to university apprenticeship is something past to passport to employment that's exactly what is designed for to make sure that you know for, for those people who have the skills benefit from the the local uh, okay. local employment so I want to, have yeah. to move on to da can, David, can, David can, yeah. I, I, there, there's no question about it there is poverty in Luton the way out of poverty is education and skills mm -hmm. absolutely no doubt about that and yeah it's been said um, our schools are good they're not all good Many of them are really good. Some of them are, frankly, well below where they should be. And yet our Labour Council, in the budget they passed um, a couple of months ago, has cut the school improvement budget. Well, I, you know, that's surely exactly the wrong direction in which we should be going when we are striving. I mean, ju just to take another um, statistic uh, out of the air, the average earnings of people who work in Luton are significantly higher than the average earnings of the people who live in Luton. Now, I wonder why that should be. Is it anything to do with the fact that our education system isn't actually performing as well as it should? It's a lot better than many places, but it ought to be better. Um, and cutting the school improvement budget isn't going to help that. Can, one other thing, um, uh, since we're talking about cutting budgets, is um, enforcement. Mm -hmm. The council's record on enforcement is appalling. Enforcement of anything. Mm -hmm. Enforcement of anything at all. So, the, uh, the parking is, is, regulations is that, is aren't that, enforced. That, is, the litter act isn't enforced. The everybody knows that the uh, overwhelming majority cause of antisocial behaviour in the town centre is due to drug and alcohol abuse. 
uh, £400,000 chopped out of the drug and alcohol budget in the budget um, just a couple of months ago. The council is getting better at enforcement, but my goodness, it's got a long, long way to go. So are, uh, are, these know, are, are these are critical issues as far as you're concerned, or are these the things that Labour are failing on? They're, they're critical issues because they affect everyone's life day by day. I mean, let me just tell you how many people were prosecuted in Luton for exceeding a 20 mile an hour speed limit last year. The answer is one person. Hmm. One person. And that person wasn't stopped for speeding. The speeding was a secondary offence. They were stopped for some other reason. Now, yeah, the count. Aslam says that they're recruiting uh, enforcement officers. Oh, that's true. The enforcement process is getting better. But like the standards in schools, it's still got a very long way to go. And the history isn't good. Right, OK. So in terms of your personal, the, the critical issues as far as you're concerned, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and then you, c you can comment on, on Rihanna's comment about racial inequality in, in town as well. Well, but, um <laughs> Well, you deal with racism is very easy to deal with, isn't it? It has to be confronted every time it raises its ugly face. It's not something you can afford to ignore. It has to be dealt with. Um, uh, my my point is, and I think I think perhaps we, we it, 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 I think we're missing it, is that what I'm saying is that, that, that there are issues of structural and institutional. Uh, racism, which we are, we are, in my view, failing to tackle, because I, I don't think that our young people aren't being employed in the town because they their education levels are poor. I think actually we need to think deeply because those young people are managing to go outside of Luton and get employed. I think what we need to think about is why are businesses in Luton telling us that they can't find those people in this town? when we are constantly hearing from the community that our young people aren't getting jobs. And Zafra and I, and I'm, and I'm, sh and, you know, I'm sure all of us know, young people in this town, highly qualified, who aren't getting jobs. There is a gap, there, there is a problem somewhere as to why young BME people are not being seen as employable. Well, if, I mean, if that really is the case... Well, uh, I can tell you it is the case well, because, I, I'm not because if you, if you go to, if, if you go to <laughs> Capability Green, right, and if you did a head count of local employed people versus people coming in from outside, and I'm, yep. I mean, I mean, not saying that that's a bad thing, uh, but there is a failing there. If there's local talent, then surely there should be the first one. I to mean, be even if we just simply take a very very quick look and go go through a little journey in our heads of leadership in this town, even if we look at within our council, our officers, the top tiers are predominantly white if we look at leadership at the, at the airport if we're looking at all of our major institutions unfortunately BME communities are very poorly represented can I just really the final comment from you David and I really need to move on to this right, yeah. but yes I, I mean th this it, this is an issue and uh, I can't put my finger on exactly what is wrong and what needs to be done to put it right. Maybe we need a mechanism to find out what exactly is wrong and what needs to be done to put it right. And I'd be very happy to put my name to, I don't know what we would call it, a commission or uh, some serious study of the problem to ident first identify the problem and second identify what needs to be done to, to correct it because okay. it does need to be corrected okay aziz lambia yes. uh, same question to yourself 
what are the critical issues facing Luton uh, and why? Why do you think they are critical and, and what will you do about it, or about them basically? Yes, especially in Luton, I can see there's a, like, I mean, um, essential services has cut, especially like, I mean, all the community center, libraries is closed, where, like, I mean, the, we are getting, where, like, I mean, the council is getting a lot of income. Is, is library essential service now, is it? No, it's, uh, it's under the, like, um, Luton, Luton culture. It, it is, it yes. is, but is it essential because the information that provided by the no, library? Like, I mean, the libraries and community center, mm -hmm. especially like, I mean, the council, they are getting a lot of income from airport. Yeah. Where this this like this revenue, the uh, issue goes to the local community development, such as community center. But what we can but see there's is loads of, there's loads of community centers up. How come? To... Like I mean, Saints Community Center has closed long time ago. Wigmore mm -hmm. Library has closed. Ambleside Community Center, where I am representing, is already closed and it's already in, in it's run by third party organization. Only it's open once in a day. Well, and but is that due to central government funding? No. This is I I can say is I uh, like mismanagement where Luton uh, like I mean the control uh, where in the council they spend more than uh, two hundred thousand pound to promote a city of culture where our essential services is cut. Bin connection is taking that two weeks. Like I'd I mean uh, like uh, uh, I'd be interested uh, in just exploring okay. that a little bit more with you. Um, so. I agree. Community centres are an important, yes. very, very important, and particularly when we see especially like people have talked to about to, to tackle like knife crime. Of course, drugs. these are really important. Do, can you tell me the difference between uh, the funding that Luton Borough Council gets from central government um, pre-austerity and, and now? What the difference is in real terms? Yeah, uh, Do you have an idea? Yes, I understand. There's some like I mean, uh, it got like I mean, the fun funding has decreased, but I can see, I can feel like I mean, the council uh, there's a lot of mismanagement. They, they, the they mismanagement like I'm, know, yes, I so yeah. they overspend <laughs> yes, mi mi millions, millions of pounds <laughs> over the busway. This council tax every year. Up. So I understand. I understand. So like the, bus, the busway, I think, was it funded yeah. by central government. Was it or no? No, no, no. no. European, European, European funding. There was some European funding. Some European, okay. but like you know, it was overspent. Okay, this year every year council tax up. I understand because of this like cut from central government. We we have to adjust from our pocket. But I feel like I mean the labour control council they failed to deliver essential service, and there was a lot of mismanagement. So how, and would, you because that, how would you put that right? What would you do to put it right? you spend it from Sorry? so how would you put it right how would you yes it's uh, it's all about like i mean how you manage the money and now like i mean how you utilize your like m minimum resource with the maximize but so, how, how would, what, what skills have you got and what experience have you got in doing that yes especially my my background is like business management right so i'm a businessman so i know how to how to like run the business and how to generate the income mm. and uh and uh Especially, but but okay, I, okay. So in, in terms of drafting, I guess the the minions will draft policies in the council. Uh, how will you how will you sort of um, how will you get your message across? How would you get your view and across to the councils and those specialists who draft policies, etc.? How will you do that? Will you be able to do that? 
Yes, uh, like I mean, I have uh, some background about like business management, and obviously we will uh, sh take some. Uh, I mean, share our like you know, some knowledge from like our like you know our neighbor neighbor council, sure. like I mean, so to about like I mean the, to exchange our knowledge, mm -hmm. and um, and also like I mean this conservative government they are like I mean helping the businesses, and you said like you know recently government has imp uh, approved like uh, Newland Park. Mm -hmm. So this is like a conservative government is promoting and you know like I'm helping if anyone if anyone wanted to do the business okay. and also especially like housing crisis now conservative government they they give the permission to the local council to make it to make the lot of houses so to, to reduce this so, like so I'm what, what homelessness we're going to we're going to have to we're going to have to take a short oh, break for sure. apologies there, there's there's a, there's a countdown we we can't beat the countdown unfortunately mm -hmm. right the system kicks in automatically uh, so we've got about 10 seconds. We're going to take a short break, listeners, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll have another set of councillors from, from different wards in town, so stay tuned, uh, and we'll be asking the same questions to different councillors, inshallah, after the break. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz, and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to uh, Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live. My name is Zafri Kabal. And today uh, our co-host is Rihanna Faisal. And she'll be joining uh, a plethora of uh, Luton Council potential leaders, I would say. Potential leaders and, and, and councillors. Uh, and, uh, and before the break, we were discussing... Uh, we're having a discussion with David Franks. Uh, we're having a discussion with Councillor Aslam uh, and uh, Azizul Ambia, who's representing the Conservative Party. Now, in this second round, uh, the second round, uh, we, apart from David, uh, we were hoping actually that there will be new candidates, new candidates joining. So, give the freshers a little bit of a time. <laughs> Not hard time, but a oh, bit sorry, of a time. You're going to have to put up with me for a little longer. <laughs> That's right, yes. Grumpy old gits. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, so we are expecting uh, in the studio, and we, in fact we have in the studio, Mark Scheinman from the Green Party. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, and we also extended an invite out to Fazil Zia from the Conservative Party, who was going to replace Azizul Ambia. Uh, and hopefully he's on his way. Uh, and the hot seat is available for him uh, when he turns up. Uh, and and we're going to have to say, after this short comment, we're going to have to say goodbye to Councillor Aslam. I know he likes to likes to sort of, you know, uh, uh, speak well of the party, uh, but we have an equally eloquent person by the name of Marcus Keeney to replace him. Sure. No, I, I think it's just about the facts. It's not about me saying things. I think there were a few said thing, a few a few uh, things said which weren't accurate. First of all, running a small business in Bury Park and running a council is two different things, and knowing the gap in front funding from just under shy of 200 million to just 8 million that's a lot of money and the way people use uh, uh, community centers and libraries has changed drastically and the last point that I want to mention is that in my eight years that I've been in council none of the opposition parties have they failed to produce a budget they're good at finger pointing but they fail at giving their budget to show they, how they're they, going to do it. To, to be fair, if they're, if they're not in government, that's not part of their role, is no, it? No, no, you've got to let me respond to that. Yeah. Because the law does not allow opposition exactly, parties exactly, yes. to present a budget. Correct, that's right. Under the Local Government Act, the budget must 
come as a recommendation from the council's executive. Mm. We are not allowed to present our own alternative budget. You could okay. always How- choose to have a more open form of council where you actually shared committees with other political parties, but that'd be too much like cooperation, wouldn't it? Well, who, who, know, who knows? It might, be a, <laughs> it, might, it might be a hung council and, and you might all have to no, sort of share no, in that. No, but in modern Brexit times, we should have surely learnt that yeah. we've got to talk together and clashing just doesn't do any good. Right, OK, so uh, I'm going to have to sort of welcome Marcus in, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Councillor Aslam. Um, so let's, while Marcus is being uh, set up on the, in the studio, uh, let's welcome in our new guest, uh, Mark Scheiman. Uh, you're not new to the political scene, are you? No, uh, I've stood many times in European elections, four times. I've stood in parliamentary elections, and I'm an ex-councillor from donkey's years ago, in a time when, God, the council was so much better financed and life was so much... So perhaps you could... Uh, I mean, we started off with a bit of a bio to let people know... Yes. Who they're voting for? So, so tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself first of all. And I am, I am a member of two trade unions, the GMB and Unite. I'm the press officer for Luton TUC. I am a founding board member of Luton Food Bank, mm-hmm. still to this day, um, and I'm a member of Luton Rights, who tries to change things for people who've got unemployment issues and make sure that life is better. Mm. I'm also part of the group that wants to take over empty buildings in Luton Town Centre and try and give them dedicated to homeless people because homelessness is one of the most tragic things we suffer from here in Luton and it's got to be something completely different that's going to change that. Right, and... and you're standing in which ward? In Luton South Ward. Are you standing in Luton South Ward? Yes. Okay, right, okay. So uh, you, you mentioned lots of different things uh, in terms of your experience. Uh, what, what of the experience that you've mentioned uh, is going to be useful uh, as a councillor? And how are you going to make a contribution to, to Luton Borough Council? Well, I would, I would be different in the fact that I wouldn't be pulled along by anyone else. Uh, I would always listen to other people and hear what they're saying and try and be constructive. That's that's surely the best way to go. But uh, but if you if you if you had to make a difference, if you if you uh, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the biggest thing I've ever made a difference of when I was elected as a councillor was I took the chief planning officer. Mm-hmm. around Luton Town Centre and I said we're going to inspect and see what how difficult it is to get around mm-hmm. and he didn't know when I dragged him out that I had a wheelchair there for him mm-hmm. within half an hour of him pushing himself around the town centre I managed to get him to spend 25000 which back in 1980, 1995 was an awful lot of money mm-hmm. and put the first lowered curbs around the town centre. Now those have spread everywhere and they help many mothers with pushchairs, many disabled people and it's a universal benefit and it's that sort of thinking it's not always, you don't always have to go to another political party. If you can persuade an officer of the need of your cause and put it in a really strong way then I think that is the best way to get 
the officers on side. Um, yeah, I okay. mean, I'm constantly trying to get drains cleared, taking photographs of them, and the officers just say, oh, go away, go away, okay, you know. Right. So, it, it, <laughs> in, okay. in the end, it's the councillors who decide where the resources will be deployed mm. and um, what the officers will be given funds to do. Right, okay. So, so Mark, b- back to yourself again in terms of what do you think are the critical issues facing Luton? Homelessness. How do you know that? Because you, I bother to speak to homeless people. Mm-hmm. Um, my son and I both stop. We both, you know, s- speak and talk and give money and give food to homeless people. There is a massive problem in this town. Uh, Channel 4 did it, a programme based it, on this town and they reported that back in the beginning, before April, four homeless people had died in Luton. Right. They died of cold. Now, is is that a situation we want in this town? Okay. Surely that's so. If, if, I, if I was to, if I was to define critical issues as being uh, issues which uh, which, if resolved, uh, will help the greatest number of people and progress Luton forward, yeah. do you think homelessness is one of those? I think the cause is so worthwhile that it is something that I would hope all Luton people would take on board. But if you want to add something that's even more dangerous and scary, the issues of knife crime, Mm -hmm. and I would try and put a solve that by starting at primary school educational level, talking to young children and getting the kids before they go into that step and, and getting them to understand that, you know, carry a knife and you're most likely to be the victim of that knife. And it, it's, too, it's too late to do it later on hmm. because at that time they've, they've succumbed to the charms of... of of outside influences that are dragging them into the drugs network and all the nasty things that go with that. And this is such an important issue that we've got to start it at a really, really urgent low level. Right. OK. Brilliant. OK, let's, let's move on to uh, our next new uh, candidate, Marcus Keeney. Marcus, welcome to Inspire FM. Thank you for having me. Uh, so like everybody else, perhaps you could if you can introduce yourself, um, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us why you're standing as a Labour candidate. Why Labour? Okay, my name is Marcus Keeney. Um, I live in Farley. I joined the Labour Party in 2015, inspired by the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn, because I wanted to see his common sense socialism leading the next Labour government. Um, And then, since then, following that inspiration, I decided after a couple of years in the Labour Party to put myself forward as the chair for Luton South CLP and I was honoured to be elected as the chair of Luton South CLP last September. I'm standing in Wigmore because I fully support the local council's plans to develop the airport which is one of our biggest employers and unlike the uh, automotive industry that's been declining, the airport has the potential to expand and provide well-paid high-tech jobs for the town. So what what experience or expertise do you have uh, which which will put you in a good stead as as a councillor? Well, I think I'm a, a radical and an activist, and I'd like to bring that How's into the council. How is radicalism going to help? How is radicalism going to help? Because it would stir up the council. Okay, we have a, a Labour council, but unfortunately there are some people that are too set in their ways. So if we can bring in 
you know, some... Uh, radical in what way? So, so ra radical in terms of shaking up and bringing new thinking or radical in a way of, of pushing the old lot out and bringing the no, new No, 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 no. More in the terms of bringing in that kind of the street activism, not having no as the go-to answer for everything, um, looking to those younger than us to see how they can inspire us so that we keep developing and evolving. Right. And what, what, do, you, what do you think are the critical issues facing Luton and why? Okay, well, I, I pick up on what Mark says. Unfortunately, homelessness is a big issue. Now, one of our manifesto pledges is that we shall continue to purchase empty houses for reuse as family homes, and this will include compulsory purchase orders as necessary. Are there any empty houses in Luton? There are numerous empty properties throughout the town. How, how do we know that? How do we know that? Well, you walk past large buildings that are These are, in these are industrial stop. buildings, though, aren't no, they? No, no, not... Um, so just around Commercial the corner from the police station... In South Ward, there's a building, if you walk up um, from the police station, up Farley, up towards Farley Hill, where I live, there's a large block of flats that's shuttered. It's got metal shutters on the window to stop people squatting it. That's something that could be turned into housing for homeless people. It could be turned into social housing. We had a similar position recently with the flats just around the corner from the Salvation Army, opposite the horseshoes. Again, that was shuttered, metal shutters. This is a crime, shuttering buildings to keep people out when people are sleeping and as mark has pointed out dying on the streets right so uh, again the question if i was to define critical issues as being if resolved bringing the greatest benefit to to luton and, and developing luton uh you know is 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 you know uh, homelessness categorized as that would you say yes because we want to live in a society where everybody is treated well mm. we don't and we start with those at the very bottom so yeah, tackling the issue of homelessness is a key issue. I so mean, how, how would you how would you tackle it? Would you, would you help them get new housing, or would you deal with the uh, structural issues uh, which make people ha um, uh, homeless? I think both need addressing. So when it when you look at the issues nationally, obviously we need a Labour government to change the social security system so that it goes back to the way that it was set up to be and is not the punitive social security system that drives people onto the street which we have at the moment um, but on a local level I would work with the portfolio holder for housing Tom Shaw uh, to ensure that we build upon the pledge that we have to increase social housing to use compulsory purchase orders to make sure that we're using council funding so between now and the next Labour government we are building social housing locally or getting around the constraints put on us by the conservatives that would prevent us from building social housing so that's one way of alleviating it but i also think that we should be more bold and we should be taking possession of empty buildings not just the empty flats that i've been talking about but also things for example like marsh farm outreach have pointed out like the empty bhs center in the town center again that's sitting empty owned by an offshore company allowed to sit idle when the doors could be open and it could be turned into a temporary or even semi-permanent homeless shelter. Right, okay. Right. And Can I follow up still. on that? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the first thing I suppose I ought to say is uh, if Marcus wants to get elected and give the council a good old shake-up, um, he will find the Liberal Democrat councillors standing side by side with him um, because we support that as a general approach and philosophy um, 100%. Uh, his view on the airport, we also support airport expansion, but not the way the Labour Council is planning to do it. It is perfectly possible to expand the airport to the degree that they want to without 
covering Wigmore Valley Park in concrete, but the council won't look at alternatives. It's possible to do it without converting Wigmore Lane and Ashcroft Road into major access routes for Terminal 2, but the council won't look at that either. So so long as they persist in trying to do it in the way that they are doing it, then we, we can't possibly support it, and, and we won't support it. The, can I move on to... I, I was a bit disappointed to hear the green Mark Scheinman say that he gives money to homeless people. I presume he means to people who are begging around the town centre. If that's the case, there are two things you have to say about that. Number one, not all of the people who are begging are homeless. Correct. I, I know one who regularly begs in Luton Town Centre who comes by train from St Albans every day to do it. Um, I, I'm approached regularly in Sainsbury's car park, for example, by people uh, begging, I always have the same answer, which is, I am not going to give you money. If you're hungry, I'll go into Sainsbury's and buy you something to eat. Would you like me to buy you a sandwich, a can of Coke? I've only ever once had a positive response from that, and I did actually go and buy the guy um, a, 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 a pie and a can of Coke, because that's what he said he wanted. Uh, usually, they just walk away. And why do they do that? Because they don't want the money to go to a homeless hostel or to buy food. They want it to fund their drug habit. And giving them money doesn't actually help. The The problem with homelessness is that you have to solve it at a very early stage. Within the first one or two weeks of someone becoming homeless, that's the time when, if you can approach them at that stage, that you'll manage to get them off the street, out of the habit and the the acceptance of being on the streets. And it's that early stage that it really needs to be... We need to be way more proactive in this town, getting people and making sure that that cycle is, is, is done. I mean, I speak to a couple, uh, a father and a daughter, that regularly sleep under the... Uh, Castle Street mm-hmm. driveway, and uh, they're, they're there. And uh, she suffers from uh, heart failure and has struggles to get medicines because she hasn't got a home, because you need to have a home address to be able to get medicines. Um, he has other, he has health issues as well. And Anyone saying that those two people are living a life of comfort? I could go down there tonight, right now. I could take David right down there, right now. And he could tell me there's no homeless situation in Luton. No, no, it's come a on. very genuine I, I, homeless no, no, situation. No, no, okay. I didn't I, say there's no homeless situation. Okay. There are organisations like NOAA who do a splendid job in helping these people to put their lives back together. That's where the resource needs to be, with organisations like that who not only... Know know how to do it but actually do it every day and every night of the year brilliant okay right Uh, yeah before you move on to that i just want to say say uh we are still expecting uh a conservative council representative Mohammed fazil zia uh he's uh basically we made arrangements with him he'd confirmed to come in 
to the studio and we're trying to contact him and his phone is is busy so if he's listening if you can call in uh, even if you can join us via the phone we'll vel- welcome your your views come uh, come on in because if i can make it on an x31 yeah. bus i'm sure he can turn up in his car in, in, indeed indeed i think yeah, he's we, afraid we, of the competition mark he's another person <laughs> who uh, couldn't stand the heat in the labor party and decided to move to a, a more minor party <laughs> Uh, well, I think that that's the, we, we reserve judgment on that uh, uh, in this show. Uh, okay, so what I want to do, uh, we've got a few minutes before we go on to a, uh, onto a break, uh, but what I wanted to go on to next uh, was really uh, around uh, accountability. Accountability in terms of uh, we've seen very uh, too often, basically, and, and we, we had uh, uh, Laura Church here uh, earlier on, and I did ask her about, A, first of all, bios of of individuals who are standing for election not being freely available but alternatively uh, you know it's far too easy that a lot of people simply put their crosses against an M, uh, a symbol uh, and they don't know the the candidates and these candidates once elected um basically do their own thing uh, they go and want they get they get elected on the party ticket uh, and there doesn't appear to be any accountability within the parties first of all and there's no individual accountabilities to the electorate so i guess starting with marcus yourself what will you do to make your first of all yourself account more accountable to the voters and secondly the party doing things to make the the elected uh councillors accountable okay can i just come back very quickly on something that council I, thought, I said. thought you might do that <laughs> and it's related to accountability as yeah. well i mean i i'm very grateful to have his uh, support however coming off of the airport board is a stunt and it will they will be back on that airport board after the election if they get re-elected which i hope they don't i hope we have a clean red sweep in wigmore um, but they've only come off the airport board because they're afraid of friends of Wigmore Park who are standing candidates against them. And they will be back on their airport board quicker than you can say stunt after the election if they are re-elected. You, you must let me respond to that because, it's, I, a, because it's a slur. It's we resigned slur from the airport board because we were told by the lawyers that so long as we remained members of the board... We could not publicly criticise the plans for expansion. That is a position we could not tolerate. We don't agree with the plans for expansion and we demand the right to say so publicly. The only way we can do that is to leave the airport board and that's why we left. I can tell uh, Marcus now that I'm only speaking here for myself, I will not be rejoining the airport board because I value much too highly my right to publicly criticise the decisions they make. Right, OK, so, so if on that topic of the airport, uh, and we talked about employment, the airport is going, going to provide, uh, but the, the last Labour council, uh, council uh, did something which affected a lot of the community employment, i.e. there's a lot of taxi drivers who lost their jobs because a corporate from out of town came and, and took away those jobs from the airport. So how are you going to put that right, Marcus? OK, I'll come to that in very quickly. Councillor Franks won't be back on the airport board because he will be beaten by our Labour Party candidate, Fahim Qureshi. <laughs> I, I doubt that. Now, <laughs> okay, what so would I do? Well, I happen to have opposed the... Uh, 
granting of the contract. But first of all, how, how did that happen? How, how, oh, okay, did, how I, did all of our Labour councillors and, and having a controlling stake in the airport, how did they allow that? You'll have to ask the people that were on the council at the time. I'm standing for election for the first time. Right. I opposed that. I think it was the wrong move. We do have a commitment in the manifesto because of new radical Labour Party members to make sure that when the contract comes up that we have a proper black taxi rank at the airport mm. so that you don't have Addison Lee taking the bulk of hard-working taxi drivers' wages. I think that was the wrong move. And I've been speaking to act activists from the International Workers of Great Britain to make sure that they can come and speak to the Labour Party after the local election and put the case of the taxi drivers to our local Labour Party meetings because I think that was a catastrophic mistake. And another pledge that we've made as well, the airport is a living wage employer and I actually mean at the actual living wage, not the Tories rebranded minimum wage. However, not all of the concessions at the airport pay their workers the actual living wage. And another pledge that we've made is that when their contracts come up for renewal, we will look at their behaviour, including their, their pay, the pay of their employees during the previous contract and if they're not paying their employees properly and by that I mean the living wage or above then we will look to give those contracts to other contractors. Right okay so, so Frank if you were on the board. It'd be interesting to judge the actions of the council if it remains Labour controlled in the context of these pledges that Marcus has just made and I look forward to doing that if of course the council remains Labour controlled. As, as Councillor Frank says, if they're the Lib Dems are only putting up 19 councillors and the Tories and the others between them, even if there was all the Lib Dem, even if there were, sorry, all the Lib Dem candidates, all the Tory candidates and the independents elected, they still wouldn't be in a position to form a majority on the council. If the Lib Dems were really interested in taking the council, they would have put up all the 40, 48 right, okay, candidates they were entitled Mark, to. Mark, you want, you want to do it? Yes. Despite being off the council for many, many years, I still worked with the taxi drivers and organised and helped them protest, organised and helped them when they were barracking the council against the decision. So even as an outsider, one can still, and you know, I've learned very well how to work as an outsider through lots of different good causes and lots of different organisations and that will just continue because that's the best way to make sure that you don't get swallowed by that council and don't fall into the trap of just hearing the voices of officers. Right. You've always got to hear the public, not just the officers telling you what's, right. what's you're, correct. You're beaten by the clock again. I'm just going to quickly say that it's quite hard um, with having three quite reasonable um, men in the room to, to argue. But actually, when we come back from the break, I've got a question first with Marcus, most of all. And I, and I know Marcus, and, you, and, and you know, I've said to, to many, I, I know you're, you're a decent man. And I know that anything, That's not an endorsement, though, obviously not. an endorsement, not. and I, actually, I know that... Surely all, not. I, I know that of all three men sitting in the room, but I think we've got to acknowledge that, you know, we, we've had um, Labour in power for quite a long period of time. We've also got to acknowledge that we're going to have a significant number of Labour councillors coming in. Whether Marcus gets elected or not, you still have quite a significant role in the party uh, in terms of your leadership of the constituency party. Right. We're going to have to take a break, I'm afraid, yeah. So, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back after the short break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM.
Assalamualaikum, welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live, uh, and we are talking hustings. We're talking to to potential candidate or can, to actual candidates for the Luton Council elections. Uh, and we have in the studio uh, David Franks representing the Liberal Democrats, and we have Mark Scheiman representing uh, the Green Party, uh, and Marcus Keeney representing the Labour Party. Uh, we do have a, a vacancy on the Conservative Party seats, although we did invite it, and it was confirmed that Mohammed Fazal Zia uh, was was going to turn up maybe he's run into some difficulties and he hasn't been able to join uh, but the invitation is still out uh, and if you want to join either by phone uh, or come into the studio we will be really grateful uh, and we'll obviously sort of uh, you know give you the, the time that you need to speak about yourself uh, also to, to our listeners if you want to ring in our number is 1822. Please ring in. This is a free format uh, section now. If you want to ring in and, and challenge any of the candidates in the studio at the moment, if you want to WhatsApp us zero triple seven nine four eight one eight two two. And uh, now Rihanna was in the process of asking a question before the break, uh, and before the terrible break, took away our opportunity. Uh, over to you, Rihanna. If you so can carry on, it's take, taken away my opportunity twice. But yeah. um, I wanted to ask um, Marcus quite directly because, um, as the Council of Moss, we held hustings um, last weekend, and prior to that, we sent out a, co- um, a questionnaire um, across the community trying to pick up on you know what were the important issues. We knew lots of people weren't weren't going to make it, but we wanted to make sure that all of those thoughts and ideas were uh, represented there and the thing that the message that came out really strong was concerns about the competency of sitting councillors um, particularly Labour councillors we'll be very honest about this particularly Labour councillors um, and that they felt that those people that they elected were not representing them once what you know once they were elected in they weren't fulfilling their promises so even if you're not elected, um, Marcus, as chair of the constituency Labour Party, what more can can you do and will be done in order to to alleviate those concerns or to tackle those concerns? Okay, on a on a personal basis, I'm the chair of the constituency Labour Party, so I don't hold any sway over the councillors, over the sitting councillors. Um, the whip. The chief whip of the council is responsible, or the chief whip of the Labour group, sorry, is responsible for the discipline of the councillors. However, to address your question there, a lot of the councillors who were incompetent or didn't address the concerns of their community have been deselected and are not standing as Labour candidates Some of this them, Marcus, time. but I'll tell you that a lot of them haven't. No, I'd be, I'd be willing to take that on board. Yeah. Um, my door is always open. People can email me. My email is marcus.keeney at gmail.com. They can contact me on Twitter, at Keeney Marcus on Twitter. Um, So I'm always prepared to respond to emails or to respond on Twitter. I might not respond straight away. I'm working during the week, but I'll always make the effort to respond to emails or to any Twitter messages over the weekend. Um, If I'm elected as a councillor, I will hold regular surgeries and I'll be available on the phone, by email, by Twitter. so in, in terms of accountability, I'd, I'd like to say that as the chair, um, I'd have more sway over the councillors, but I don't. The, the Labour group the on the is council though, Marcus, is... Do you sorry. think there's more that can be done at a party level yes. around competencies? Yes, I, I fully accept that there have been numerous Labour councillors before who have been 
incompetent they've been led by the nose by council officers because of that incompetency you know all the councillors not just the Labour councillors are there with a mandate from their residents and they should be going into that council chamber and saying to the officers we're here we have a mandate you take instruction from us by all means they should take advice from the officers because the officers are employed and work full-time for the council but they shouldn't be led by the officers of the council because they're incompetent and likewise they should be holding regular surgeries they should be available on the phone they should respond to their emails they should respond on any social media they're on um, and they should be out regularly in their ward as well so just to lead on from that i think one of the one of the major complaints um was a around the prevent agenda and counterterrorism, and obviously the focus in luton because of Let's really be honest, our demographic and, 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 and historical issues that we've had here. Um, the two council of mosques back in 2017 wrote um, a letter um, following lots of consultation with the council and the community um, expressing our concerns around the agenda, concerns that centred around discrimination and principles of justice. Those were signed by every single mosque in Luton. It was also co-signed by Churches Together, both of our MPs um, at that time and another uh, and a number of sort of civil society organisations um, and um, lawyers. Um, we had no action on that. In fact, we were portrayed as being a marginal group who weren't speaking for the community and nothing was done. So I guess the question is for all three. Um, and I don't know, I, mean, I suspect, I hope David has seen that. Um, I, he was a councillor and I'm sure he's been involved in some of the correspondence. What are we going to do about, about accountability and transparency around the Prevent Agenda? But specifically on the Prevent Agenda, I, 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 I'm not going to apologise for giving you a very short history lesson. I was leader of the council when the Labour government introduced the Prevent programme and we protested very strongly and very loudly, supported by the churches, the mosques and the other organisations around the town, that it was clearly aimed only at Islamic terrorism, when we thought the dangers lay in a number of other places as well. At the time, we were particularly concerned about extreme right-wing organisations that appeared to be getting more active than we felt comfortable with. And the Labour government at the time absolutely refused to budge and insisted that the programme was about um, Islam and not about other issues. Now, it has broadened out, thank goodness, since then, but the initial emphasis on that one angle, I think, damaged the process damaged its reputation, certainly massively reduced the uh, enthusiasm of the, the Muslim community to get involved, which I think was also damaging for the programme. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand exactly um, the point that's being made. Uh, we did our best at the time uh, to broaden the, the government's focus, and they frankly, they just wouldn't listen. On the question of accountability... Generally, a Liberal Democrat councillor considers themselves to be uh, clearly uh, accountable in two directions. First, to their constituents, and second, uh, to the local party. They're elected on a party programme, which they put to the electors. Sadly, uh, not enough people actually ask enough questions, but 
Some do, and we try our best to answer them. One of the big holes over the last few years in accountability has been the complete lack of interest in what's going on in the town hall by the local media. Mm. That has been a huge problem. Not, not here, though, obviously. That, well, it's, it's, it's improved. Mm. It's improved because we now have, uh, admittedly, only one um, journalist who was employed by our local newspapers, the Herald and Post and Luton News, which both belong to the same media organisation, employed by them and supported by the BBC. So we are getting a little better in the sense that this guy does uh, write up stuff. Sometimes it ends up on the BBC Three Counties website. Sometimes it ends up in uh, one of the so local I mean, newspapers. In, in, in some ways, I think you're quite right. A bit, the, the media has, has the role of holding public office holders uh, to account. Yes. But surely, I mean, if, you, if you're working in, in the commercial world, there are there are methods within the organisation to weed out people who are not performing. If there are, if there are councillors who are elected, they're not turning up for meetings, they're not able to contribute positively, surely there should be some party, uh, or party sort of structures uh, which will basically you know, pull them up by collar and say, look, you haven't attended a meeting right, in six weeks, why haven't you attended the meetings? Right? Give us an explanation. Right? Or if they're not being able to contribute to anything, are they... Are there mechanisms in the party to say, fine, okay, well, you're, mate, you ain't going to stand next time, or there's going to be X, Y, and Z. Is it left to the media? Is it left to individuals? No, but of course it's not only left to the media, but I think the media has a substantial role to play. And in the days but when... But what our, about the parties, in, in the days when our local newspapers were what, able to employ investigative journalists, we, we actually did see uh, some, some action. As far as the local parties are concerned, all local parties have a duty to hold their councillors to, to account. And if they're not performing... To ensure that they are not reselected, but, to but stand. in reality, in reality, they need the votes, right? They need the the councillors to vote for their the party's particular position. Well, they're not they're not realistically realistically going to talk to them and say, right, you know, you really aren't pulling up your socks, right? Yeah, so it, absolutely, they do. Absolutely, certainly, the Liberal Democrats do. Um, we you cannot remove a councillor. <laughs> Mm. The party can't remove a councillor, but, but the party I, can ensure they don't stand again. Throw them out the party. But I, I don't think we want people's heads on platters. Um, you want not all the time. Why not? We want, we Why want not? performance. And my point yeah. stands is that despite that letter, which all of our councillors would have seen, it did get media attention, it got national media attention, all bar one councillor, and I, and I won't name... Um, the, uh, the, the BME Labour councillor who did speak for us and I can't think of anybody else and I'll apologise if there was somebody else apart from that one female BME councillor w- from across the parties we didn't get any reaching out any acknowledgement any fighting of our corner that we should have got considering the, you know the, 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 the section of the community and the importance of the issues raised Had I been a councillor at the time I would have fought your corner I commend Councillor Franks for standing up against the initial implementation of Prevent. I'm opposed to Prevent. I think it should be scrapped. It's not fit for purpose. It's not about safeguarding. It's about scapegoating. And I'm worried about the targeting of the Muslim community in Luton because of Prevent. I'm from an Irish background and I know what it's like to grow up and have your community targeted 
and I don't like the way I see prevent being implemented as we've had in this town. Everybody knows about the so-called cooker bomb incident. Everybody knows about Loki the Loki's sung about it now. Hmm. Hmm. Loki, you singing about it? Mm. Okay. And everybody yes. knows so about Mark, the Mark, students Mark, that were targeted do, for do, expressing yes. support for the Palestinian cause, which I know Mark also supports. Yes, right. yes. Prevent is absolutely evil. It's despicable. It is atrocious to judge somebody on the colour of their skin or the faith in their heart. And that should never, ever be anything that makes a difference. We have been even told at Luton Food Bank that we've got to take on board Prevent on who we actually give food to, that if we're keeping records on people, that we've got to say, yeah, what they, what they are. Now, this is so wrong. We've refused to do it. We've said, come on then, take us on. You know, we won't do it. And I think that come on, take us on attitude is the attitude that we all should share and say, no, let's say no to this and let's say it to the police let's say it to the communities and everyone and get that message across because as a, as elected or even even if i never ever get elected i'll still bang on about this till the day i die because it's right there and it's so so important and until this crappy legislation is got rid of we've really got to clear it away Okay, so what, what, what's your view on accountability then? I'll ask the question around accountability, uh, your accountability, I guess, if you're elected as a councillor, first of all, and yes. what the Green Party would do to hold the councillors accountable. Well, the Green Party is unique. We do not have a whip on any councillor. Yeah, um, That's not because we don't care. But isn't that a recipe for disaster? No, though? no, because no. They don't have enough councillors to no, have a whip. No, no, no. In, well, let's let's keep an eye on Brighton and see where how we do this time round. Uh, it is going to make even there, and that was part of why we had problems in Brighton, that we didn't have a whip on the councillors. As much as you know, I was approached by the GMB to say, "Come on, sort out the issues on garbage and you know rubbish that, that happened at the time," and I said. I just can't do it. You know, I can I can speak and I can try and convince, but I can't actually instruct someone on how to vote and what to do. And, so and that, you, that instruction, the only instructions we take is from the people we represent. Right, so you make a fair point. And it has to be said that a lot of people are voted based on the party colours effectively, yes. not necessarily individually. Yeah. Uh, and I guess in some ways... Uh, letting go uh, of that the whip effectively means that they lose control of what's happening because people aren't people one of the things that, that we know right is people aren't elected on their individual qualities they're I, elected by parties i know i'm going to be absolutely unique and the other two are going to criticize me to the end on this i believe that luton borough council would be much much more healthy if it didn't only elect once every four or five years if it elected in quarters and took turns expensive. to go round yes it might, democracy is expensive but democracy brings accountability and if one councillor had you know but then again, you, you won't be able to have long-term policies, though, if you're electing council every three months or so. You, right? you can yeah. still have you can still have long-term policies. Your your political parties will have thoughts and ideas and things that we can do. Sure. But you would bring that back to the people, and and councillors should never be scared of the people. And and all this mad rush 
in the in in the time before an election, you know. I look forward to the mad rush after an election. Can, yes, can I respond to, can can I, respond can I, to that? I haven't finished it's interesting yet. To I haven't finished yet. Talk about I, I haven't, sorry, I haven't finished yet. Yeah. Mar- Marcus, you you said that the, the, the top top issue as far Mark. as you're concerned is uh, Marcus. Mark. Mark. Yeah. Marcus. Mark. Uh, yes. Right. Mark. <laughs> uh, sorry. Apologies for that. Mark, uh, you said the top issue facing Luton is homelessness. Yes. Right. How are you going to, if you get elected, this is a top issue for you. Yes. Uh, how are you going to hold yourself accountable for leading on that issue? Well, the number of people physically sleeping on the streets in Luton. But uh, if, you're not able to achieve, if you're not able to achieve that, how would you, how would you, would you not sort of uh, internally at least hold yourself accountable to say, I want to do my best in... How, how would you do that? If, if I don't succeed in some of the key things that I want to achieve, I'd physically resign. Right. You know, that's, that's my accountability. But the advantage and, and the reason I want to be on the council, because let's face it, as a single councillor, it's going to be very, very difficult... You know, I'm going to have to look at my friends across the political parties and say, anyone willing to second this? Anyone willing to do this? You know, I'm, I'm going to have to do that. You need more colleagues then, don't you? Well, I, I Mark need... is performing some incredibly dexterous political gymnastics there when talking about accountability. Mark was previously elected as a Labour councillor. Sorry, as a Labour councillor for Southward, where he's standing as a Green candidate now. What about the accountability he had to the people that elected him as a Labour councillor when he defected to the Greens? Yes, when I was representing the people in my ward within Osborne Road. You were elected I- as a Labour candidate. We've had that problem with the local MP recently. I was was elected on and putting out leaflets saying we will never ever develop the land behind Osborne Road. It belongs to the people. It belongs to, it was given by Lady Zia Werner to the people, to the workers of Vauxhalls. And that was the reason why I stood firm. It it wasn't easy. You know, it, it was, it was a cold in my heart a sad day when i left the labor party you know i, I walked away from that town well, hall and it was the most lonely this, thing um, i did supposed document yes um relating to the park and yes. i ask you was it really to do with that or was it to do with the state of your rental properties no absolutely nothing okay, to right, do with that. i think we're, we're getting into sort of uh, really personal things there he's tried to punch below the belt yeah, and he yeah, thinks that's a genuine political we, question because this yes. document you talk no, of cannot no, be found we, we need to vary from, uh, from well, that david, so, so david link, will remember it from the time link, linked linked to the accountability question um one of the things that that i guess frequently elected officials are criticized uh, about is that like you mentioned, at the election times, they're in your face, they're at your door, they're knocking on the door, right? But once they've got your vote, that's it. The power that people have, the token they have, has been used, right? Uh, and it's, you know, it's another four years, right, before they get to use that again. And people will change colours just before the, uh, before the elections. Not literally change colours, but well, change... Sometimes, the, literally. So, sometimes yeah. literally change colours as well, right? Uh, so the question really is, is I guess, starting with Marcus, you mentioned, I think you, you touched on this, but how will you connect better with the community? As I say, I told regular surgeries, I wouldn't just are, be are like... Are the, the surgeries the thing these days? Yes, because you need, as well as, obviously, 
fielding calls, responding to people's emails, responding on social media. You need to actually show that you're out in the community. They need to be able to feel that they can come and talk to you. And being able to talk to somebody face-to-face is still important. Mm. But also, I wouldn't be indulging in stunts like the Lib Dems where they're taking pictures of overflowing bins and complaining about the move to fortnightly refuse collection when the result of... £100 million worth of cuts which was signed off by the Tories and Lib Dems in coalition is why we've had to move to fortnightly bin collections. I wouldn't be making cheap political stunts by coming off the airport board when I intended going to going back on it. No, I've already made it clear I'm not going back. So I'd be very careful, Marcus, yeah, about what you're saying. Whether Councillor Franks intends to go so, back on the board or not, yes. I'm sure you'll see a Lib Dem back on that board. So he can say I, I'm I not think going that's back unlikely. on I, I think... They'll have to get elected first. Well, get elected. Exactly. I, I, I thank you for your faith in us because I expect a clean... No, that wasn't meant to be a faith in Labour. It's just a comment to say that the elections are due and what will happen afterwards will happen afterwards. Point taken. So, um, but I obviously look forward to Labour wiping out the Lib Dems in Luton. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Is it? I mean, politically. Well, it, it would be because I say they, they indulge in, in stunts. Um, they don't actually involve in things that will improve the town, like, for example, the development of the airport, which would pay, provide well-paid and highly skilled jobs. So if you want to develop the town, if you want to see our town move forward, if you want to see the biggest asset in our town developed, vote Labour and vote for all 48 of our right, candidates. Okay, so I think that's, that's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, Councillor David, uh, how, would you, how would you connect better than, than what you've done already? With, with when, your ward, I guess. When I well, this, this what I'm going to say applies to all of the current Liberal Democrat councillors, and will almost certainly apply to all of the new Liberal Democrat councillors. And we confidently expect there to be more of us after the election than we have now. Um, we tried many, many years ago having regular weekly fortnightly surgeries in local church halls community centers and what have you and frequently and i mean frequently we sat there on the saturday morning for two or three hours and nobody turned up it's a waste of com- complete waste of time what we do and have always done ever since we've had liberal democrat councillors on the council is we produce our regular focus newsletter which is dropped through the door of every house in every ward that has liberal democrat councillors it not only informs people about what's going on but more importantly than that it produces a very significant amount of feedback from constituents by both telephone by you get stopped in the street by emails um years ago it used to be by letters and and phone calls it's mostly emails these days it produces a huge feedback which keeps us very much in touch with uh, with what the local people are thinking so the lib dem focus includes i'm sorry okay i i love this election because you know for the first time I've been directly contacted by four people living in Southward who want to know my views on various issues that affect them where they live. And rather than just sending them back email, carefully crafted emails, I'm actually going to go this weekend 
and Marcus knows how difficult this is for me to get around and, and do it, but walk to those people's houses, knock on their doors and speak to them face to face. Because face to face, you can't lie. Face to face, you can tell by the structure what you're saying, what's true and what you really believe. And, you know, I won't be wrong footed on that because years and years of experience, years of looking at, from, at it from the outside, on top of my experience of years ago having been on the inside, leads me to think, yes, we've got to keep this communication up and I you know, welcome, please, don't give up on us, you know, Mark Shyman at mark.shyman at greenparty.org.uk. You can get me at any time on that. Brilliant. But unfortunately, Brilliant. a vote for the Greens in South Ward will only risk letting the Tories in. So <laughs> yeah. The Greens may have some, some well, very good I, policies. I, I think, I think, we're, we're, However, I think we're, we're coming to a close. Um, <laughs> So I, I guess quick round. Uh, we only got about two minutes, I think, or maybe less than that. Um, I think I think it's important actually to address because um, actually our Conservative representative hasn't turned up, um, and that's really disappointing actually because I think we had uh, as Council of Moss we held hustings at the weekend. They've released lots of videos since then saying that they weren't invited. In fact, I invited eight of them. Um, many of them declined, many of them accepted and didn't turn up. I made numerous phone calls to the Conservative Party offices, got no response. Um, and here we have it again, you know, we know we, and I, and I know Inspire FM have seen the emails that I've sent out, but you know, you've had, today we've had somebody accept, not turn up, and um, later play foul. It's really, really disappointing. Right, yeah, and also I think it would have been useful if we had more I guess, uh, candidates from within the community. There's quite a few standing, and it's been terribly difficult to get hold of them. Uh, it's very difficult, uh, as particularly, uh, as you said, to get contact details, contact, contact details for, for all of the candidates. The candidates yeah, right. OK, uh, we're going to have to leave it. We've got about 12 seconds to go. Uh, listeners, thank you very much for listening to us this, uh, this week. Inshallah, next week will be another set of exciting topics, so stay tuned. We may have the results next week, maybe, inshallah. Uh, until then, as And please invite us back afterwards. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at InspireFM Luton.